What's up, guys? It's Miki, and welcome back to another episode of Blank Canvas. I'm so happy to have you here, BK fam. First things first, I haven't checked in with us and how we're doing with our gratitude journals. I will be honest, I have not been writing in mine every single day. I have gotten busy. I have not made it a priority, but this time around with restarting it, I did say that if I don't, if I'm not intentional about writing down in my journal every single day about what I'm grateful for, that I'm definitely going to make sure that I say it either out loud or acknowledge it in my mind and take some time throughout the day to literally be like, okay, list three to five things of what you're grateful for and just acknowledge the things that I have or the things that I desired at one point and that I do have and things that we just, we become accustomed to because we wanted them at one point and now we have them or life just gets so busy and we're just used to having our needs met in a lot of areas or certain areas. And sometimes you can take those things or people for granted. So I try to check in on myself and still be gracious and show gratitude. So I hope, I hope BK fam, you guys are still journaling. And if not journaling, saying it out loud, taking time to acknowledge it daily, just to keep your mind in the right perspective and in a positive place. I also would still highly recommend writing them down because the one thing about my gratitude journal, well, really about both of my journals, I journal a lot. It's one of the best forms of therapy for me and just releasing my millions of thoughts that I get every millisecond. <laughs> if people could be in my head, they'd be like, my girl, God, you you have a lot of thoughts and I really, really do. Um, but I like to go back and reread my old journals to see where I was at that time in my life. And with my gratitude journals, I can look at things that I was grateful for, that I'm still grateful for today or things that I was like, one day this will be happy and I'll be able to be grateful for and I can see where God brought it to pass. So I hope we're still um, showing gratitude to others and we are acknowledging all the ways that we are grateful, even if not all, just a few, just to, you know, keep us humble and keep us on the right path. Okay. So it's college football season. I want to give my quick update on how I feel about the season. Auburn is trash, 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 trash. I felt so bad for my defense in the Georgia game. I felt like it was a waste of their energy, a waste of their talent, a waste of their time. It kind of felt like old Auburn in a sense, but worse because at least old Auburn would have been able to do like a magical trick play or something and keep us like entertained at least for four quarters or three and a half. And at this point, we're not even entertained. And I just really feel bad for my defense who was out there pretty much the whole entire game and played their asses off. But at what cost and for what? And I just think about these are these a lot of them, these are these players' livelihood and and in their bodies, and they need this for the next chapter and their next journey and their stories and the next levels of their careers. And I just think playing for Auburn right now, as much as I love my team, it is a waste. And I would not blame any of them for transferring. I would not blame any commits that we have to be like, I'm decommitting until Auburn gets their shit together because 
it's more than just a team. You can love the team all day long. I love them all day long and can still say they suck. And when you're not putting your body on the line, when you're not on a time limit of years of I got to get this now, I got to get my draft stock like high now, I have to get people looking at me and my skills now and you know, or I I just want the ability to play in the big games because big games at every level feel different for like little league versus high school and college versus pros. And a lot of them won't be making it to pros, not saying just from Auburn, but I'm saying these athletes in general, just because you play in college doesn't mean you're guaranteed a ticket to the next level. A lot of times it's the elite or it's the people who Maybe people miss their eliteness in the beginning, but they work their ass off and they still get there. You're way more guaranteed to play in Little League and high school than you are in college and definitely the pros. So a lot of people also possibly just want to enjoy these games because these are some of the biggest games that they will ever have in their lives and their careers. And I just feel bad for the players. I really feel bad for the players who have gone through so much dealing with that team and that school and it's a shit show, but thank you to my defense for showing up and yeah. Wow. Also, I want to be the first to eat my words on the last episode. I talked about how I don't think I thought Tennessee was great and I gave them their credit and I was really happy and proud for them, but I didn't think they'd beat LSU. Oops. Not only did they beat LSU, but they showed up and showed the hell out. I haven't seen a Tennessee. That's really the first time since I got into college football in my life and started watching more than one team and not just, you know, my faves that I really noticed how good Tennessee has been. Like, that's one of the best teams so far in my life that I have ever seen Tennessee be. Like, that was one of the best Tennessee teams. So I fully eat my words and apologize, Tennessee. I can't wait to see this um, matchup between you and Alabama. If they don't have their quarterback in, you know they're going to use the excuse we didn't have our quarterback, which is a factor. I won't even say it's an excuse. It's a factor if you don't have your starter. But at the same time, um, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy for Tennessee. It's been forever. And it's nice that the East has more than just Georgia. So congratulations to Tennessee. And I'm so excited to see what that game will be like. I had to eat my words. I had to come on here and eat my words, guys. Um, Yeah. All I can say is Auburn sucks. I'm ready for the season to be over. And I love college football. So I'll still be watching it every week in and out. And I'm still busy on Saturdays. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) The first thing that I want to talk about on this week's episode is I got posed the question of which, let me get the question out first. The, The question was, why won't black people just stick together? Um, not try to integrate with other races and just be for us, have businesses for us, do relationships with us like everything just black 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 and this isn't the first time I've seen a lot of people have this thought pattern and because some people say well the problem started when we wanted to be like them and fit in and all I have to say to that is problems started way before then and I don't think black people wanted to be treated fairly to fit in with white people. I'm sure there were instances where people felt like, I want you to see me as like you and all that kind of stuff. That's like a dub, but I don't think it's necessarily to be seen as white. It's like, respect me as a human being, respect me as a person the same way I respect you as a human being, respect you as a person. But 
when black people debate this of we should just only stick to us i love my people we are magic we have a certain level of swag and just blissfulness and blessing on us that you just don't get unless you're black you can see it the culture and the world tries to imitate it they get praised for the things we get you know bashed for things are accepted when other races and cultures bring it out that we are bashed for and shamed for but the things that belong to us nobody ever does it like us it's nothing like being at like a black family gathering or even if it's not a personal family gathering being at a gathering where all hell is not breaking loose, you know, no chaos, but everybody is dancing and eating and laughing. And you hear the music, you hear the card games, you just, everybody is having a good time. It's nothing like it. The way we can compliment each other without even saying words like, okay, polka dots, I see you. Like, it's nothing like it. The way we cheer each other on, you know, because we know what that person probably had to go through. It's nothing like it. But I say that all to say, I don't want to live in a world where I'm only surrounded by Black people. I want to learn from other races. I want to learn from other genders and cultures. I want to know why... You know, when we cook tacos a certain way, my Mexican friends are like, this is not real. This is not real tacos. This is not authentic to my culture. And I want them to teach me how to make it their way. I want to be blessed by the, like the food that they love. I want to learn and understand their culture in a way that maybe they want to understand and maybe they don't, you know, like, but I want my world my inner circle, my friends, my family. I want it to be mixed. I don't know how far people think we'll get in life with whites over here, blacks over here, Mexicans over here, Asians over here. You know what I'm saying? Like how far do you guys think we'll get being separated? We weren't, if we were put on this earth to be separated, that's just what it would have been. You know, like we wouldn't even have the ability to have sex with other races and, 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 and blend our DNA and all that kind of stuff. Like we're interwoven together. We have the ability to, you can try to keep it as pure as you want, but even if you don't mix races, when you build your family, you can still have a friend group that's not surrounded by people who like look exactly like you understand you fully because that's not going to help you in the real world like it's not just black people in the real world it's not just white people in the real world we live in a world full of a multitude of facets of like culture and races and things and I never want to be surrounded by just my people I love us I think we're some of the best I think we're often imitated but can never be duplicated I love us. Do not get me wrong. I love, love my people. But I do not love only being surrounded by my people. I do not love not trying to understand my brothers and sisters 
from another place in time. I, I, I don't like that. I don't like it. I've had experiences where I went to school and I was the only black child. Okay. So I dealt with racism at a very young age, but I also met some of the best people in my life who were white. So I never struggled with really making friends with white people. A lot of times I was surrounded by white people so much that it was a running joke. Oh, she's going to be the one to bring a white person home, you know? And no, my mom did not say that. I have to establish that for all the assumptions. Cause my mom's not one of the ones, but I definitely had other family members. Like it was like the running joke. You're probably going to be the one to marry white, you know, as if that's a bad thing. I think at this point we have got to stop focusing on, oh, I don't want white people in my family. Like you shouldn't marry or I don't want any other culture. At this point, y'all, nobody is picking right. From what I've seen, nobody is picking right. The picking is off. So you don't have time to be picky about what their culture <laughs> comes from, what their race is, blah, 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 blah. You need to look at the heart. We need to start with the heart. We need to get the heart together and then we'll work everything else. They need to match their beliefs. The last thing you need to be worried about is if your grandchild is going to come out with like blue eyes or something. Relax. Like, cool. Cool if they do. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't really get the whole mindset of if it, every race only focuses on themselves and they stay separated that somehow the world will magically be a better place. We're having so many problems in this world because we don't get each other. We're not trying to learn each other. We're not trying to understand each other. We're not trying to see each other. There is nothing I love more than teaching people about my culture and them teaching me things about their culture. And I'm like, oh, this is what this means to you? Oh, this is how you guys do it in your household? Like, there is a stigma in the black household to kick your kids out at 18 or before then. I struggle. You struggle too. You're an adult, so I don't have to worry about you and your feelings. I have to worry about the younger children's feelings because somehow magically when you become older as an adult, your feelings don't matter. Not saying that they say that literally, but that's almost what their actions and their other words emphasize or insinuate in a way with the way they talk and act. You understand? Like, but you go to other cultures and they're like, wow, I don't understand why y'all are kicked out because we, they, they will not send us into the world until we're financially and mentally ready. Or we don't believe in our sons or daughters getting out early just to say that they're on their own. Absolutely not. We don't want them to leave until they're in a relationship, until they're married. There are other cultures that are like, leave? We don't leave. Everybody lives in the multi-generational household. You see grandma and grandpa every day. You see mom and dad every day. Cousins come visit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to experience other people's worlds. I do not want to be surrounded by people who've experienced the same struggle as me. I do not want to be surrounded by the same people who look just like me. I think it's asinine to want to create a world that heaven won't look like, or I think it's asinine to want to create a world that the world currently, it just doesn't look like it. The teams should not look like it, whether it's sports team, the schools should not look like it. The office that you work in should not look like it. Your friend circle should not look like it. It should not. Like, I feel like, of course, when you have friends that are your race, they understand certain things that your other friends may not, but 
how in the hell are the, the other people ever supposed to understand or even get an inkling and a glimpse into what your life looks like, what the world looks like through your eyes if we don't talk about it, if we don't try to get to know each other, if we don't try to share our stories and understand each other more and a little better. You know what I mean? I want the world to blend as much as it can. I want all of our cultures and everything to just spill out. I want us to be proud of it. I want us to share it with each other. And yes, there are some people who will hate on it to hate on it. I'm black. I get it. I understand. There are some people who will be so ignorant not to understand certain traditions and customs in other people's cultures. I've seen it with my own eyes. I get it. I understand. But we can't let the few taint the many. That's my opinion. And heaven is going to be all of us. You know what I'm saying? All different races, all different creeds, all different, you know, beliefs. Like it's, it's going to be all of us. So why not get the practice now? Are we really trying to wait to get into the pearly gates to just now try to understand each other? We have a whole lifetime to try to understand each other. And if, if you were just in your bubble that much where you don't want to understand, that's fine, but you don't have to put that off on everybody else. You don't have to taint other people's journeys and trying to understand other people and their cultures. You just don't. You can just stay isolated to yourself and not taint everybody else. But I don't think it's smart for any of us to think if we only stay with us and only do it with us, then it's going to be fine because we've done that before in multiple facetude of areas and it hasn't worked. And I don't know why people act like there aren't black people that hate on black people. We deal with colorism. We deal with light skin versus dark skin. We deal with, oh, um, you're black and you had a certain level of wealth that I never got to experience. I dealt with the struggle. So you don't get this. Like it's in-house fighting in all races, in all cultures, just like it is outside. <laughs> so, I mean, you'll have problems either way. You might as well learn about the people and the cultures and the things that are not only of you, but outside of you. We should learn what really makes the world the world. And not just our world, literally what the world actually looks like. That's just my opinion. Okay, next topic that I want to talk about is adults just being older kids. I mean, when you're a child, you look at people, you look at the adults and you think, if you had a good example, you look and you think, wow, they really have their shit together. And wow, adults really have it all figured out. And then you get older, you become an adult and you realize these motherfuckers have no idea what they're doing. They are all over the place as much or somewhat more than when you're a child. When you're a child, it's easy to believe certain things and it's easy to be firm and you have hope and dreams on another level and then you get older and sometimes that is like crushed and it is taken from you and you have to look at the world uh, more realistic. And sometimes you kind of lose that oomph, that innocence and that spark that you have as a child that I feel like a lot of adults could use. But you really realize that adults do not have it together. They are still learning and growing. They are still trying to figure it out. And as I've come to the conclusion before, I can't remember which episode I mentioned it on, but I don't think I'll ever have it all figured out. I think if I could, 
it would have been done long before I was ever born. And it's just not possible. If I could, I wouldn't need Jesus. I wouldn't need other people. I'd have it together. I would have the answers. There are people who I'm sure would study it day and night to have their life figured out completely, but it's just not that way for a reason. And I don't even know if life would have as much meaning and purpose if we could all just figure it out in a snap of a finger. Sure, it would relieve us from some problems and some bad choice making, but at the end of the day, like all of it works together for our good anyways. All of it paints this beautiful picture and teaches us lessons and and gives us good memories and bad memories, but memories nonetheless that shape us to who we are as people. But I have realized that adults, um, yeah, they don't. Not only do they not have it together, but it's also just like a, how should I say this? Extra childish. It's just, it's really, really childish. When you hear adults talk about like their jobs and the childishness that's going on, it's like, are we in high school? Am I really clocking into this job? And I'm still dealing with problems that I would have dealt with in middle school or high school, like grow up. Or when you hear them talk about relationships, and I think more than the job thing, relationships is what really opens my eyes to we're fucked out here. We are highly fucked because so many adults do not understand relationships, do not have it together. And unfortunately, kids are brought into it and dragged, just dragged along. Like sometimes I feel like watching your parents be in a bad relationship is like you're tied up to the back of a bus or a horse or something or a bull. Think of something that goes really fast and violent and you're just being dragged, not just through the mud, maybe on concrete maybe through dirt, maybe through grass, then some mud. You're just being dragged around, stumped on, and you just have to hang on for dear life because you can't get off the ride because you're attached to this wild animal or this vehicle that has just all gas, no brakes. You're just stuck. That's what I feel like. It's like watching adults in toxic relationships that have kids. You have to just be dragged through it. You have to be dragged through the mud. And it's very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. I feel so bad for the children that have to experience that. Um, It's just not cool. And I mean, no shame. No shame to the parents trying to figure it out. Because I look at myself in my young adult life currently, and I'm like, who the fuck has the answers? Like, it's hard. It's so hard to figure it out. And you are, well... I can't speak for you guys, but I'll say for myself, it helped me gain more empathy of, and just more understanding of, um, wow, like the reason they made these decisions is because they're still making decisions as if they were like in a high school relationship, but the stakes are so much higher. The stakes are so much higher. I just wish people understood how high the stakes were sometimes, you know, like we're not three and four anymore. You understand? Like, this is not check the box if you like me kind of shit like these are assets combined these are children being involved whether you're married not married these are people who we could all die tomorrow and you're up here playing with people's lives their hearts their emotions the drainingness of the back and forth it's I wish people truly understood the stakes of just 
the chaos, <laughs> the childishness of it all. And sometimes I feel like adults are less disciplined and just more out of sequence than children themselves. Sometimes I think children, when we're children, we have a better idea of self-confidence and just, and I know that's not always the case because if you have parents and adults in your life that speak, because it's not always your parents, sometimes it's teachers. There have been plenty of teachers and counselors that have told children, you shouldn't do this. You'll never make it in this career path. And those words stick with them. Um, I, I just, I think sometimes children, they have a better perspective. Like I said, they still dream big. They still have hope. They don't have to be as realistic unless they are put in environments where they have to grow up fast and kind of take them out of this childlike joy. You know what I mean? Other than that, like, I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if our, if the world makes us just harden as we get older or we're so fed up with getting it wrong that we just settle for less because we're like, oh, I'm getting old and this and that. But adults do not have it together. They do not. And between the, the, the working environments and just the relationship decisions, I'm appalled with some of the relational things that happen in adult life. That range from 20-something to like 70-something. And it makes me think, are none of us ever going to get it together? Or does this just last until we learn better? And then you also have to realize people can learn better and still choose to accept the same thing because that's the norm. Have you guys ever heard of people who come out of very toxic and dysfunctional relationships? When they get in healthy ones, they feel out of place. They feel out of whack. They are literally creating problems where there are none because they're like, this feels off, even though nothing is wrong. And it's like a great and healthy experience. They're like, this feels off because I'm used to this chaotic ride I'm used to this high high and then really low low do you understand like I'm used to the chaos the chaos and normal is like calming and peaceful and even though you may say you want those things out loud your actions don't reflect you actually trying to go after calming and peaceful you your body doesn't really know how to fully react to you wanting calming and peaceful because it's been in like self-preservation mode and self-protective mode and flight or flight mode which I want to get into the the damage that that does to your body and your brain to consistently be in traumatic situations year after year and in your body is you feel that pain throughout your body and your body gets exhausted of having to consistently protect you from such bad environments it does and maybe I'll go deeper into that on another episode, but I just have to say adults don't have it figured out at all. And I don't think we're supposed to have it all figured out. I just wish that all of us, because I'm not trying to say a generation versus a generation, male versus female, none of that. I just wish that all of us could analyze the stakes that come into play when you're adults and still making very childish or immature decisions or or even if they're not childish just harmful 
Like, this is no longer, oh, somebody told my secret and it got around to the school. Like, I mean, that's still embarrassing or something, but there's just so many extra moving pieces that are involved and there are consequential life decisions that will affect you for the rest of your life. We can't afford to be making high school mistakes in relation, like, relational decisions in adulthood. And they happen so often that I, I'm starting to have an, a better understanding of why people say love is hard and the dysfunction that comes with it. And even whether it's on TV, I was watching something the other day. It was the older episodes, of, not older, but the the game has come rebooted back like two or three times now. But it was the bad seasons, you know, where they took off Melanie and Derwin. Mm-hmm. Thanks, BET, for nothing. We brought them back. We wanted them back. You did not have to take their character levels down. You could have kept them up and added on new characters. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's your fault. Anyways, I was watching something on the game and their storyline with like Lauren London and Blue and just the shit that they had her go through or her reactions. And it was the chaotic and emotionalness of her character was glamorized in like one of the episodes and I'm just like this shit is crazy this is what people watch this is what people go through in real life and they're like see they went through it or see it was on a tv show they get me and it's like no baby that's not normal (laughs) like we shouldn't be acting like that and it's not to say none of us won't have our moments we will but I just think of how fucked we are as a society when it's on the tv it's on the songs you watch your parents do it you watch your friends do it we're all just kind of normalizing the chaos and continuing the the cycle of just dysfunction and then we raise children in it and then they raise their children in it and I'm just like holy shit we gotta get it together and if the rest of y'all don't want it to get it together I'm gonna put in effort for myself to get it together and I pray that all my people put in effort to get it together because I, I just want better for us as a whole and I just want better for each generation that comes after us each generation should be better than us and better than the next, and better than the next, and better than the next. If not, we're not doing something right. That's just my opinion. That's my thoughts on adults not having it together, okay? And I'm an adult. I'm an adult. I'm, I don't have that shit together, nor do I have all the answers. And I just think the stakes are so high in adulthood when you don't, though. I do. Not to say that they don't matter in your childhood. They absolutely do, which helps shape your decision-making and the way that you are as an adult, which explains, again, the dysfunctional pattern continuing. But it just makes me really cautious and aware and just, I just want to be better and do better. And I want my people around me, I want to be better and do better. But I can't want it for them. They have to want it for themselves. And the only thing I'm in control is, is my actions. That's even for when I have kids, I can raise them to the best of my ability, but they're still human and they're going to make their own choices. That just goes for anybody. So I'm going to say I'm going to work on not making extremely childish, emotionally erratic decisions um, for the rest of my life, for the rest of my life. Will I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. But I'm definitely going to try to be more intentional about it because Uh, it's even more I don't know this might not be for everybody else but for me it's even more annoying when they're adults and doing shit they remind you like high school you're like 
how old are we? Like, do we have to deal with this forever? That's just my thoughts on it, you know? All right, guys. So the final thing that I want to talk about on this week's episode is something that is near and dear to my heart. So a lot of people learned about the kind of environment that I grew up in listening to the podcast, but very few people, when I say very few people knew about the kind of household that I actually was in and the things that I experienced. And um, even through the podcast, it barely scratches the surface of the things that I saw and and went through and that others in my household saw and went through. Um, Because I'm still a really private person and my goal is not to make everybody seem like the worst of the worst because humans are human, you know? I'm just trying to learn to not hate people that did a lot of damage and try to understand where their damage started and end up, you know, where it came from. Needless to say, um, very few people also know how passionate I am about domestic violence. Um, Yeah, I guess I'll share. I wanted to do domestic violence work even before I started the podcast. And I can count on one hand how many people knew about that. Um, I'm losing my passion for domestic violence work. I remember I was in college and I heard this person, um, they wanted to give up on a friend because they were in an abusive relationship and it was exhausting for them. And my first thought was, that's your friend. How could you like want to leave them there? And I didn't get it. And then the years went on and I saw other things in life, experienced some other things in life. And I started to understand the fatigue of dealing with domestic violence victims. It's hard. It's hard because... There is trauma bonding involved. There is Stockholm syndrome involved. There is just pain on both sides involved. There is, I love a person that hurts me the most. I feel like watching a loved one in an abusive relationship, whether it's physical, mental, financial, whatever, is like watching an addict love the pipe. Watching an addict want they want to quit the crack the heroin the meth you know like think of some of the most dangerous and deadliest drugs think of an alcoholic who is like I am trying to put the bottle down but that is my go-to that is my escapism that's what makes me feel safe think about people in those situations and think about the times where they do want to try. And I know they everybody's not always in the place at the right time to want to, you know, stop. But think about those people. And think about how hard they try and they just can't. Because situations like that, you can't boil it down to just black and white. If those aren't some of the grayest areas in life, I don't know what else is. And the same is involved for abusive and toxic relationships. You want the best for your people, but it's just, I don't know. I really don't have the words. It's just hard. It it literally reminds me of an addict being addicted to some of the harshest drugs or an alcoholic 
being addicted to the bottle. Um, sometimes they want better for themselves. Sometimes they don't. You want better for them more often than they want better for themselves. And that's hard too, because you, what people don't realize when you deal with people in toxic and abusive relationships, you go through the cycle with them. So they're high highs. You're like, great. They're happy. They're at peace. And then you get used to, I know this is a cycle. So when is the shoe going to drop? And then when they're at their low moments, they are, they want their abuser back. They want to understand why their abuser caused them pain, this and that. And you have to deal with them being really depressed and sad or really angry and harsh or look at how they're like, I don't trust anybody. Everybody's on their own, blah, blah, blah. You get all the venom that really should have went to the abuser. And when I say should have went to, I mean, it was more so intended for them, but I'm not saying to go out and like be just as harsh back to your abuser because again, it's just perpetuating the cycle of toxicness and abuse, right? The best thing you can do for yourself and if children are involved is just to free yourself and get in something healthy. And I don't mean get in another relationship, just just get out and be healthy. Get out and get yourself together. But people, there's a high lack of empathy or non-empathy. I don't know which way I'm trying to say, but people... They don't have empathy for people in toxic and abusive relationships. And that's something that I learned throughout the years as I was doing my research. And I just, I didn't get it because I'm like, you just don't. I think because I saw it so close and personal, not just at my household, but I had friends and stuff that went through it. And I'm like, you just don't get it. You know, they say statistics-wise, if you watched a parent go through it, there's a 50-50 shot. 50-50 shot. You're either going to be in one yourself in some form or fashion. It's not always romantic. Sometimes it's in friends. Sometimes it's, you know, in d- different power dynamics in different work areas, you know. it. You just don't get it. People don't get it. There's like, you should just leave. And I think if it was that easy to leave, so many people would leave or the people that leave, they wouldn't come back. It's, it's not a, it's not a black and white answer. It's so gray. It's so gray. And I felt like that that was one of the things that God called me to long before this podcast was to do work for domestic violence, to spread awareness. I have some amazing ideas of ways to help them safely. Um, some ways to just help them transition into the next phase of life. If they have the courage and the bravery to leave, if they have the ability and the skills to leave, um, the resources to leave, providing more resources. And something that I've been struggling with is I finally understood what that person meant when they said they no longer wanted to be friends with a person who was in an abusive relationship. I finally understood it. I started to feel compassion fatigue. I started to feel empathy fatigue. I started thinking, this work is exhausting, God. How can somebody who saw it for so long and saw it in so many areas, like even in college, I saw it. I had a neighbor who you can hear, you could hear her boyfriend 
throwing things and screaming and threatening her. And she was in the house above mine. You heard them arguing and they went outside one day. And the way our breezeway was set up is that if I was to go outside, I could just look up or look down and I could see anybody in the breezeway hall. And he slapped her. He slapped her so hard that it echoed and it just triggered the little girl in me who was constantly needing to just, who either saw it and was like, what the hell am I supposed to do because I'm so little or who wanted to get in between and didn't care about what happened with me jumping in the middle of it. It triggered that little girl in me. And I thought, like, God, can I really help? Like, it used to be my, because I went through it, I saw it, I, I knew that this existed, I knew that other people were out there with it, I'm gonna help. And then one day it turned into, once my people are free from it, I don't want to deal with this at any other level in my life again. Like at any other level. I just want to. I just don't want to have to deal with it. And then there's a part of me that's like. I know God put it in me to help with it for a reason. Because there are so many people. Who are currently going through it. Who will go through it in the future. Who have gone through it in the past. And they just need people to get it. But it is definitely. I just have to mention. If you guys hear that noise in the background. I'm not running water. That is not pee. That is rain. It is raining outside. But there is just. I don't know. It's almost like people forget. You know how I've talked about people forget about the children that have to witness the violence. People also forget about the support system, whether they are friends, family, um, just a stranger who is kind enough to check in, you know, the the trauma and toll that it takes on them. It takes a trauma and toll to consistently have to a person you're trying to help be better in life, consistently go back to the person that abused them. It takes a trauma and troll on the person to see a person start to get their life together, start to, you know, do better and easily fall into the patterns again. It it sucks to see um, that they are happier with their abuser than they are without them. Because again, it's like a crackhead loving the pipe like you love the thing that's killing you you love the thing that's killing you you feel depleted you watch them go through withdrawals without it it is um it's really hard to deal with it almost makes you feel like your help and your effort is in vain you get to a point where you're like holy shit they're happier with them should I just step back and I remember listening to one of my other podcasts and she was explaining how she was in an abusive relationship and it's she she described a moment where she was like, you know, they gaslight you and they talk, you know, they try to make you seem like you're crazy. And it's like you want your people to see that it's happening just so you can be like, it's. I promise you it's not me. I promise you I'm not making this up. But you don't want them to get involved because you love them so much and you don't want them to get hurt. That is such a minefield and a mind fuck all in like one time. Dealing with situations like this, you're tiptoeing around what is the right thing to do, what is not. Because a lot of times the people you're supporting and trying to help in these bad situations will turn on you, will get mad at you, will not want your advice, will be like, you just see, only see the bad. They're great people. Don't you see their greatness? 
baby, you're describing a human just because somebody is, you know, a well-rounded person, like they have bad moments, they have good moments, that does not mean that they're good for you. You're just describing a regular human. It does not mean that that human is good for you. It does not mean that that human is going to help you make it to the next level. It does not mean that that human is going to help you fulfill your God-given purpose. They are hurting you. They are hurting you. Sometimes it reminds me of like, being by a poisonous venomous snake and then picking up the snake and holding it like isn't it cute and then when it bites them and the poison r- runs through their veins they're like holy shit it's killing me i can't believe it's killing me but i fed it but i loved it but i cared for it but it's still killing me duh <laughs> duh put the snake down get away from the snake you want them to you just want them to want better so bad but one of the lessons that I told you guys I was realizing is that you can't want you can't want better more than them you know what I'm saying like you can't care about their well-being and their health more than them and I just didn't understand that person saying they wanted to walk away from a friend but I absolutely understand it I absolutely positively understand it. And the same way we want to have empathy for the victims, I think people need to give a little more empathy for people who are fed up with dealing with it, who are fed up with having to be a support system for it. Because I do understand why there is a a thing where people are like, after a certain while, you're just, you're putting up with it. You're dealing with it. I get it. I get it all. The thing that stops me from getting to just that place where you're just dealing with this, you're just putting up with it is because I know that it's such a great area and I know there are so many psychological and mental factors that go into it. I know there's triggers and stuff from your childhood of why you are trauma bonded to certain people. If it was easy to get rid of trauma bonds and everything, we could snap our fingers. Don't you think people would want to do that? Like people don't want to be in love with the thing that kills them the most, but sometimes that happens. An addict doesn't always want to be an addict, but it doesn't take away that they're an addict. You know what I mean? So I started to gain some compassion fatigue. And for those that don't know what it is, it's, um, it's a term that describes physical, emotional, and psychological impact of helping others. And it's often through experiences of stress or trauma. It, compassion fatigue can also be mistaken for burnout, which is a cumulative sense of fatigue or dissatisfaction. And they say, while burnout is one part of form of the fatigue, the term compassion fatigue encompasses a more specific experience, which may be brought about by a stressful workplace environment, lack of resources, excessive hours, or constantly, again, having to help people in very stressful, traumatic situations. Um, now some of the things that they did say are signs of compassion fatigue are, can be mood swings, experiencing detachment, you know, um, a common sign of compassion fatigue is a dramatic withdrawal from social connections. And this can become obvious in neglected friendships or relationships. You feel emotionally disconnected from others and experience a sense of numbness in your personal or professional life, addiction, trouble being productive. You can have you know, physical symptoms, because again, pain affects the body. Mental pain can start making your physical body hurt, exhaustion, fatigue, changes in appetite, digestive issues, headaches, so forth and so on. And, you know, solutions, they say to take care of yourself, check in with yourself and everything. And back to the experiencing detachment, I am a naturally detached person. 
and I'm an aqua. Shout out to aqua gang, as we all know. And we have these moments of needing to retract and recluse and go into our own space or whatever. But I, something I have been struggling with and I've been praying to God a lot about is when everybody is back on their feet and in the areas of their life, including myself. And I mean, not just surviving anymore, but fully thriving. There is a large part of me that wants to escape and never return. And I felt so fucked up for feeling that way, but that's the exact way I feel. Once everybody is good and happy, I want to escape and never return. And I've been telling God, like, all it's going to do is point out that she was only around for this season and she's a bad sister. She's a bad daughter. She's a bad friend. She's a bad granddaughter. She's a bad cousin. She's just bad, 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 bad because she wants to escape everything. Everybody's happy now. She should want to be around more than ever. But it's almost like everybody is good. And now I just want to get away and I want to be good. And even after I get good, it's like I almost want to stay away. And I struggle with that. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, God, help me because I know what's coming. It's going to be like you were only around because you had to be. You were only doing this because of that, because you had to. And don't act like you're doing me a favor and all this kind of stuff. And it it does eat at you because it's like, God, I'm trying to pray to desire to be around them constantly. I'm trying to pray to desire certain things that are quote unquote normal, but you don't feel it. And then I realized, like, I think I have compassion fatigue, caregiver fatigue. I just, besides me liking to detach naturally anyways, I just have this strong desire that once everybody is thriving, not just surviving, but thriving, I just want to be like in my own freaking bubble. Like I just, I want to rest from helping everybody else build their life and get their life together. And it's not just in the physical sense, it's in the emotional sense. It's of being pulled on in every direction. I remember I was talking to a friend and um, she was checking in on me. She's like, how's your life? And I was telling her about my usual life. I hadn't cried about it. I didn't feel upset about it or anything. And I started to talk to her about it and tears started to come down. And I was like, holy shit, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm like, this is my daily life. And this is the first time that I've cried about it. Because sometimes when you say it out loud and you realize how much is really put on you or what you're going through and what you just kind of push down just to get through the days you realize like, oh, like that weight is heavy, but you've just pushed it down and you've been trucking through. You know, sometimes the strength that people admire, they don't understand the price that you pay to have that kind of strength. And I remember telling that friend, I was like, I'm in my, I'm in my early 20s. Well, I'll be mid 20s soon, huh? But I'm in my early 20s and I, um, I feel like I'm 40 or 50 having a midlife crisis. I'm gonna cry and she looked at me and she goes but you're only you're only in your 20s and I said I know I know it's hard it is so hard to show up for everybody you don't even sometimes you don't even care about showing up for yourself anymore and um It's like sometimes I wish I can just stress about like 20 something year old problems. And I feel like since I've been a young kid, I've stressed about adult problems. 
and uh just okay let's let's make sure you know so and so's good let's make sure they're fine we'll get to me eventually but let's make sure they're fine and then you get to a point where you selfishly want to be like okay let's make sure i'm good and then you go and you live your life and then you're like but i love them and how can i truly be happy if they're still suffering as well and you try to find this balance and it's hard it is hard so that's where i am i don't know if the devil wants me to stop dealing with um like if he wants me to be so fatigued that i don't want to help with domestic violence at all and i will i would be lying if i said that i wasn't almost at that point absolutely almost at that point um but i haven't given up completely yet because the things that and the visions that i have to go into this earth i feel like are truly going to help them i feel like are truly going to help them um but i got to get I got to get that oomph back for it. I don't want to be in a fatigued place trying to help people who are already fatigued and trying to figure out life. They need a boost of energy. They need resources. They need love. They need support. They need understanding, you know, and I can't be so burned out and lack such empathy that I no longer have understanding for something that I know majority of the world doesn't get nor have understanding for in the first place. Somebody has to not lose the ability to support them and love them in situations like that and again it's not just domestic violence it is traumatic and toxic situations they they eat you up they drain you dry and you look back one day and you're like holy shit i'm dedicating a life to this and the work that i've been called to with helping people and trying to connect us and help us understand and love each other a little more you pay a price you pay a price and i think about my friend who's a social worker and i think she's going to be in this day in and day out she has to take care of herself because she pays a price you pay a price to help people with traumatic situations is it a great thing when you are able to help them absolutely but it comes at a price and you have to take care of yourself and so am i still going to help sure but do i need some energy reboosting some encouragement to keep going um to help them absolutely absolutely and am i still trying to figure out how to not be having a midlife crisis in my 20s absolutely absolutely there's a scripture that comes to mind that god has put on my heart and he's been reminding me of it week in and week out and i think it's because he knows how much i'm experiencing fatigue and how much i'm trying to show up for everybody else while still being authentically myself you know what i'm saying and it was galatians um i think this is galatians 6 9 and 10 and it says so don't get tired of doing what is good don't get discouraged and give up for we will reap a harvest the blessing at the appropriate time and then verse 10 says whenever we have the opportunity we should do good to everyone especially to our christian brothers and sisters and um not to single out if you're not a believer in god like the point is we should all do good to everybody and i think what he was speaking to me especially in verse nine is do not grow weary in doing good 
do not grow weary. It is trying. You will be tried and tested on it. It's very possible to grow tired of it. It's very possible to lose yourself and trying to make sure that everybody else stays afloat. But just don't grow weary because you will reap a harvest of blessing. And I'm not even doing this just for the blessing. You know what I'm saying? Not for money, not for clout. Because if I wanted Blink Canvas to be for clout, I could have put this out on my personal page. I could have put this out on my friends' personal pages. I didn't even announce this. I just kind of did it. And for the people who were supposed to know that it was happening were really trusted sources. Because I knew with a podcast like this and the way that I'd be opening up that a lot of people want to know just to be nosy. A lot of people don't actually care if I'm mentally doing good or if I'm literally succeeding in life. They don't care. They want to listen to these episodes to gossip to their friends. They want to listen to these episodes to ask a mutual friend, like, I can't believe she was going through this or something, or really, like, you don't care about me. You don't care about my journey. You don't really care about my pain. You want something else to gossip about, which is why I was very strategic and not just announcing it to announce it. Um, If they found it and they discovered it, it was inevitable. (laughs) Social media will tell on you it was inevitable, but it wasn't just going to be out there just for them to have something to gossip about. I think there's enough stuff for them to gossip about. And I know they're going to sit up and gossip about the episodes that's already out and the ones that are coming in the future, but Blink Canvas is so much more than money and just, you know, um, clout. Like, I don't even want to be famous. I just want people who listen to understand me a little better. I want people who listen to understand themselves a little better and know like, wow, you went through this. I can get through it. Or wow, somebody else experiences. I'm not alone. I want people to feel less alone. And I want us to understand each other a little better and just love each other a little more. You know what I'm saying? And and get healthy and get right. It's not always about physically being healthy. Like you can have the best body in the world and be mentally fucked. And I think that does more damage to, to you than like being at an unhealthy weight. So that's what Blaine Canvas is here for. And I'll go into that more possibly on our one year episode. But I do want to say thank you guys so much for all the support. Thank you for the people who truly enjoy tuning in and listening to Blank Canvas. Thank you to my true writers since the beginning. Thank you to my trusted sources that I could tell before I even got started and who have supported me throughout this journey and has just been some of the biggest cheerleaders for me and just biggest supporters. And you guys keep me encouraged and you keep me going and you remind me like God gave you this vision for a reason. Please do it. And um, so far... That's what I'm going to keep doing until he tells me otherwise. So thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to see what we talk about next week. All right, guys. Bye.